From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. With COVID case numbers in New South Wales still growing, there's real concern over the capacity of the state hospital system to be able to cope under the pressure of this latest outbreak. And like all doctors, nurses and allied health, workers are already starting to feel burnt out from the months and months of working in PPE and dealing with the various pressures of this pandemic. Today, we welcome to the show Dr. Momina Bharti, an ICU registrar who is working at the Prince of Wales Hospital in Sydney to talk about life on the wards at the moment and the reality of facing increasing COVID admissions. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Francine. Thank you very much for having me and um, look forward to having this chat with you and sharing a bit about my personal experiences and reflections over the last few months. So maybe if you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and where you're working at the moment. Sure. So um, I'm an ICU registrar uh, and I've been working at the Prince of Wales Hospital since I was an intern. So I feel like I'm part of the furniture there by this point. Um, And I was there as a medical student before that as well. Uh, Working in ICU, I've been doing that for the past couple of years now as a registrar. And I was a a senior resident medical officer um, in critical care before that as well. Uh, It's something that I love to do. It's it's, um, a field that Uh, I enjoy working in and and I think I'm fortunate to be able to say that I wake up every day and I look forward to going to work and even in the current busy stressful environment I still enjoy my work and I love what I do every day it's a great team that I work with um, at the Prince of Wales Hospital. So obviously at the moment you're both living through the lockdown laws in New South Wales so I imagine that if you're not at home following the orders then you're at work in the hospital How has work changed for you, though, in the last couple of months and in terms of pressures that you're facing? Yeah, so look, it's become very different over the last few months. Uh, It's an interesting time to be working in intensive care. I think to be working in in hospitals at all and to be part of the healthcare system, we're all affected by the current pandemic. Um, I, I guess from a structural point of view, I've worked through a time where I've seen the whole department being restructured. It's gone from being, and so normally what we would have had is a, general ICU and a high dependency unit Um, and over the last few months that's been entirely restructured now to having a COVID specific ICU for COVID confirmed cases and that's what we sort of casually call the hot ICU and then you've got the cold ICU for the non-COVID cases and so the department's been split up into a dedicated COVID unit and a non-COVID unit and working in the COVID unit of course has its own stresses and challenges. Uh, I think people still get sick and still need ICU level care. And so on top of the burden of having the COVID cases that you've got to look after with all of the PPE and uh, particular protocols that you follow in that unit, you've also then got to continue looking after non-COVID ICU patients, which in themselves are complicated, uh, often multi-organ, multi-impairment type uh, clinical scenarios that you're managing. So look, it, it is it has been stressful. Um, and on top of the structural changes, of course, you've got changes in the way you practice as well. Uh, everyone's wearing PPE um, and even just out of the ICU, everyone's wearing surgical face masks in the hospital. Little things like that are, are normal practice now. Um, and not just in the ICU, there's just this general sense of anxiety that seems to be uh, sort of hanging over us a little bit. Um, I think in general, people inside and outside of work feel this nervousness as we see the case numbers increase. And so it is a, it's an interesting time. And I think it does make one feel a little bit nervous when you think about where we're potentially heading with an already stretched 
um, health system, thinking about managing with those increasing numbers and being able to look after everyone safely. And in terms of having that hot ICU and the cold ICU that you just described, are you finding that there's issues with staffing, especially given that when people may have symptoms, they have to stay home or people Mm -hmm. having to stay home because they're close contacts? And how are you managing that balance of COVID and non-COVID patients? It's tricky, yeah. Look, it's it's still something, it's a work in progress where uh, I guess we're lucky in that we've got increased staffing from people like the anesthetics department who've been able to provide us with additional medical and nursing staff Uh, and in the ICU department itself uh, we do try to have a little bit of redundancy on the roster so having a doubling up of people on shifts if somebody does call in sick or needs to um, uh, take time off because they're a close or a casual contact then we try to see that we can accommodate that with um, having that doubling up on the roster uh, it is tricky, though. There are certainly times where you don't have the ideal level of staffing or somebody's had to go home uh, sick and you've just got to manage by everyone sort of picking up the slack. Or, or there is no slack, but picking up extra work and, and trying to cover for those shortages. Um, I don't think there's going to be an easy way about it. We've just got to learn as we go along and, and see whether we can get people from other departments to continue to help, which is what they've been doing so far. And I think that's been tremendously helpful for staffing both the hot ICU and the cold ICU. So I've heard that you've been involved with the PPE training for medical staff and also in developing various educational resources to help staff working in the unit during this hard time. What's that experience been like for you and what have the challenges been? Look, that was um, actually really interesting and really uh, fun to be part of. We started doing that uh, more than a year ago. Um, where I was part of a group that's uh, been involved in developing our PPE pathways, particularly for using uh, powered air purifying respirators. Um, We call them PAPRs. And if if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, it's essentially a little uh, unit that goes along a waistband that uh, sucks air into it, filters it, and then provides it by tubing to a, a headpiece and a helmet. So you're provided with continuous filtered air while you use the PAPR device. So I worked with the team that put together our PAPR donning and doffing pathways. And this has continued to be a, I guess, a dynamic process where we've modified our pathway and gone through several revisions. And then um, we've also introduced the use of a hood. So that's an additional protective layer that goes on top of the PAPR. So I guess it's been really fun because you learn about this new device and and the science of it, the learning of it is something that I enjoy. But at the same time, you think you also realize that it's important to try to design a pathway that's easily taught, it's feasible and uh, and is most importantly safe for all the users. And particularly that we're doffing safely when we're removing the equipment, when we're leaving the hot zone and making sure there's no possibility of exposure um, to the PAPR users. So we've uh, designed a pathway and a little instructional video as well. And um, I did the voiceover for the video, so I've listened to my voice in that video too many times now. I'm getting quite sick of listening to the video, but it's a good video. Um, It helps our users train both in person with us and then have a reference that they can use uh, in their own time if they want to refresh the learning. I think the most important thing with using the PPE is that um, it's important to be familiar with the process and also make sure that you're using a buddy system. 
So we've got a buddy that watches both during the donning and the doffing process to make sure that you're following a safe process. And, you know, particularly when you've done a long 12-hour shift in the hot ICU, I think we're all a bit tired and we're all vulnerable to making mistakes. And that's when it's really important to have that uh, buddy acting as um, an additional support person to make sure that you're donning and doffing safely um, with the protocols. And I know that at the start of last year, there was a lot of discussion around healthcare workers needing to have a fitting of PPE to make sure that it was protecting them properly and their patients. And it was advertised, I believe, by the Department of Health or State Health Services as a service which should be made available to healthcare workers. Is that something that you and your fellow colleagues have had access to? And do you think that's an important step? Oh, look, I think it's absolutely, absolutely an important step. I think that uh, when you're working in a situation where not only you're exposing yourself, but then potentially also exposing your family and the people that you work with to um, a a highly transmissible uh, virus, then you've got a responsibility both yourself and also towards the people that you look after to be um, safely protected. And so I I agree that fit testing must be something that's available. And we've been really lucky um, at Prince of Wales to have that uh, facility available to us. In fact, I think the uh, ICU was the department that was undertaking a lot of the fit testing for medical nursing and allied health staff, both inside and outside of the unit. So I've been fit tested uh, both last year and this year. And initially, there was uh, we were performing qualitative fit testing. Um, this year, we've moved on to quantitative fit testing, where you use a specific device that measures, um, essentially measures how well you fit with a variety of different masks, and tries to find the mask that uh, is the best, safest option for you to use. And then that mask becomes uh, the mask that you've been fit tested for, and is generally available for you to use when you're in any hot zone. Um, the other thing is that, as I mentioned, our ICU is lucky in that we've got PAPRs, and the PAPRs can be used for people without being fit tested. It's something that um, it doesn't necessarily need a process of fit testing. You need to be trained in using it, but usually most people, uh, well, I think everyone can use a PAPR safely. Um, and there are several people who have failed fit testing with all of the available masks. And for those people, I think having the PEPR available is uh, really, really helpful um, because it allows them to practice safely in those COVID units, um, even despite the fact that they haven't found a mask that they can fit and use. Can I just ask, I imagine that, you know, most of your training in medicine so far, you haven't had to work in PPE for the amount of hours that you currently are. Mm. What is that like? And does it take some getting used to to doing the same procedures in full PPE? Mm. Oh, Francine, it's it's definitely a big change. Um, I think you, it's, it is a struggle. Um, and, you know, it's physically and, and mentally taxing as well. I think the mental burden of it comes from always having to be vigilant about making sure you're doing everything safely and making sure that you're uh, not exposing yourself and your colleagues. And it's not only putting it on and taking it off, but also whilst you're in the unit, um, you keep an eye on yourself and you also want to try to make sure you're keeping an eye on, on the people that you work with to make sure everyone's practicing safely. So that constant state of vigilance is quite exhausting. And then when we're working with the COVID patients, uh, often we do procedures that we want to do in a sterile manner. 
and so there is additional precautions and additional levels of um, uh, I guess protective wear that we use uh, when we're examining patients and that makes uh, even routine procedures um, more challenging and and things like our central line insertions and uh, intubations and um, even things like putting in a cannula and taking bloods become processes that require a bit more planning and having all the equipment available before you go in the room to make sure that you do it as quickly and efficiently as possible whilst exposing the least number of staff to that um, bed space, particularly when it's something like an intubation and that's um, an aerosol generating procedure that's got a higher risk to the people in the room. And then I mentioned there's a physical burden of it as well where um, I've, I've spoken a lot about papyrus, which I should clarify, it's not, not everyone in the cot ICU uses a papyrus. You can also use an N95 mask that you can fit tested for with additional layers of equipment. And although the papyrus make you feel really safe, uh, they are tiring to use. They're heavy on the head and on the shoulders. And after a while of wearing them, you do sort of feel that tenseness, ten tension, sorry, in your neck and your shoulders. And um, the way the waistband and the helmet and tubing all fit together means that you, you've also got to adjust the way you're sitting on a chair. So all those, those little ergonomic things, I think, also add up to the burden of working in the hot zone over the course of the day. And so far, have you faced any drug or equipment shortages, particularly in the hot zone? And how is this playing out? Mm, I think um, something that we're quite mindful, for, mindful of is the availability of the rapid COVID swabs. Um, those are a limited, finite resource, and it's, uh, it's sort of a global supply issue where um, limited numbers are available every day. And so when you are assessing a patient who you think needs to come to the intensive care unit in whom you can't uh, exclude COVID as a possibility based on the uh, clinical examination and the history that you've had, those are the patients who you want to admit quickly to the ICU but you also want to make sure they don't have COVID. And so uh, they're the types of patients where you would consider doing a rapid COVID swab, which allows you to get a result in less than an hour. But again, this is a limited resource. It's not something that is available um, to all of our patients. And so that's the sort of situation where um, we consult with our infectious diseases uh, colleagues as well and um, have a chat about uh, which patients would be best service by having this test available to them. Um, I, I think other equipment um, and drugs, we've actually been really fortunate in that uh, I don't think we're struggling at the moment, or at least not as far as I'm aware. Um, again, I work as a registrar, so maybe these things are things that I'm not aware of, but as far as I've seen with um, working on the hot zone, um, it, it seems that uh, other medications and equipment we do have a good supply of and I haven't been alerted to any concerns um, from my time on the floor. And more broadly and I guess given those challenges that you were speaking about before in terms of working in PPE and in the conditions that you are, how do you cope with the anxiety from having you know constant exposure to COVID in your workplace, also facing burnout and what are some of the strategies that you and your colleagues are employing or doing to help cope with those feelings? Mm, yeah, look, it's very stressful. Um, but I think one of the things that helps is the sense of togetherness that you have with the people that you work with on our floor. 
and, and that's the biggest protective factor, uh, at least for me personally. I think that I feel very lucky in that we do have access to things like the PAPRAs and I feel very protected with our current PPE practices, which is where we wear disposable scrubs rather than our home clothes. We then wear a PAPR, a hood, two layers of gowns and two layers of gloves when we have patient encounters. And so you almost feel like you're in a bit of a space suit when you're in the COVID area and you're at a patient encounter. Um, so you do feel very safe and protected. But then, as I mentioned earlier, you've got that constant, um, that state of being on, uh, be monitoring your surroundings and monitoring yourself as well. And that's uh, fatiguing. Um, the people that you work with overnight become your, or, or on a day shift um, as well, become your little family. They're the people who you have a bit of a whinge with when you're, when you're feeling tired and they're the people who support you and they're your biggest cheerleaders. And uh, we all make sure we work hard at ensuring everyone's had a break, everyone's had a chance to feed and water themselves. And um, we all look after each other. And I think that for me, when I'm at work is the biggest protecting factor. And of course, I think one of the great things about working in ICU is the week on week off way that we uh, have the roster. So you work your week and then you've got a fantastic week off that always goes too quickly, but it's a week off to properly rewind and switch off. And that's uh, the opportunity that um, me and many of my colleagues take to just switch off completely for a little while. Uh, I like to watch rubbish TV shows with my husband, um, get some nice takeaway food and make sure I go for a run a few times in my week off to recharge. Um, but I think the most important strategy is supporting people when you're there on the floor and being there for each other. And knowing that you're in it together makes those challenging shifts uh, so much more easier. Momina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Francine, uh, and for inviting me to um, have a chat about my experiences. Uh, just a small disclaimer from my part at the end of this is that uh, the views are my own and my own personal reflections and experiences and not representative of my employer. But thanks again, Francine, um, for uh, including me on this chat. Thank you. And I hope that you get some time to watch some bad TV and eat some takeaways. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Thanks, Francine.